Hey, I'm Alan Hunter. You're listening on the Pantheon Network. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. A one, two, three, four. Thanks for listening to this podcast produced by Diddy TV. Visit DiddyTV.com for more exclusive on-demand content or download the official Diddy TV app from your app store today. Welcome to Insights, folks, where special guest Rebecca Wood will be joining Amy Wright in conversation to discuss her brand new book, The Studio Mama Cookbook, a collection of cherished Southern recipes, real-life stories, and star-studded menus from the Music City. For nearly a decade, Rebecca was the chef at Zach Brown's renowned Southern Ground Nashville studio, where she had the unique experience of preparing meals and hanging around with such notable musicians as Casey Musgraves, Steven Tyler, Leon Bridges, Carrie Underwood, and many more. Fun fact, Dave Grohl of Foo Fighters liked her pound cake so much, he flew her across the country to bake it at one of his concerts. She recently stopped by our Vibe and Dime retail store in downtown Memphis to chat with Amy Wright, and you get the pleasure of listening in right now. From Diddy TV, this is Insights. Rebecca, nice to meet you. So nice to be here. Welcome to Diddy TV, and we're here to talk about the Studio Mama cookbook. You being the Studio Mama. I am the Studio Mama. How, how did you actually get the name Studio Mama? Well, um... Zach came in to the studio and found out that I'd been cooking for some of the artists who came in, and he said, that's just what this studio needs is a mama. So I was the studio mama since then. And then um, even after Southern Ground shut down during the pandemic, um, I have been studio mama at a number of other studios, too. I've been catering lunches and stuff for, for other places. So where did you grow up? I grew up in Columbus, Georgia, um, which is a little town about an hour and a half south of Atlanta, um, right on uh, the Fort Benning military base. So was food a huge part of your growing up? It really was. I spent a lot of time with um, both sets of my grandparents who had enormous gardens in their backyard. Um, My dad's parents' um, house backs up to a railroad track, and so there's a big easement um, between their yard and the railroad tracks, and they turned all of that um, not only sort of across their backyard, but also sort of across um, the neighboring properties um, into this incredible garden space. And they grew corn and okra and all sorts of peas and butter beans. And so we would spend you know, the summer months um, in the heat of the Georgia summer, sitting on the couch watching movies, shelling peas and- Purple fingers? Uh, yeah, and sore <laughs> thumbnails from popping those shells open. And then in the fall, 
they had pecan trees in the backyard, and so we'd um, go around and kick the leaves out of the way and pick up all the pecans, and my papa would take them to the hardware store and have them cracked, and then we'd, you know, pull all the nut meats out of the shells, and um, and that's part of what our Christmas presents were every year, is we would get, you know, a gallon baggie of shelled pecans, and I didn't really know the value of that until, um, just a few years ago, they had to cut the trees down, and I had to start buying pecans ah. for the first time in my life. So expensive. <laughs> they are expensive. It's worth it, but. So was music also a big part of music your childhood? Music was also a big part of my childhood. My dad was a drummer, and um, my stepdad plays um, flute and um, keyboards, and um they actually were in their first band together uh, when I was not when I was growing up when when they were growing up, um, which is a fun little tidbit. But um, my stepdad used to give me forty fives, and I had a knack for understanding lyrics, and sort of still can sing all the lyrics to every song without knowing, you know. Who a band is, or whatever. let me just tell you that is a unique talent <laughs> that a lot of people wish they had. <laughs> but my stepdad would give me a forty-five, and I would go sit down with it and write out all the lyrics for him and his cover band. And um, my dad would take me to band rehearsals, and there were always big, um, you know, potlucks or whatever for the band on Sunday afternoons, or um, and then there was always music playing in the house. Um, yeah, it, it was a huge part of my growing up and, you know, certain records we'd have or, you know, cassettes, I guess, going down the road. Me and my mom sing along to all sorts of things. Well, you mentioned, um, let's see, Betty Sue Pippins, Catherine Mason, and Michael Mason was your dad. The first two were grand grandmothers. Grandmothers, yeah. What did you learn from them as far as your cooking and your love of food? Um, I learned that... Um, Improvisation, uh, as you know, as necessary, is is super helpful in the kitchen. So, like having a grasp on what your ingredients are and what you can substitute um, is is pretty is a pretty big deal. So, when you're out of one thing, you know, my um, my mom's parents sort of lived outside of town a little bit, so just hopping over to the grocery store wasn't an option. So, if there was something that was missing, then you have to figure out what else you can plop in its place to get the job done. And um, I think that's probably the best thing. And also um, watching them cook without measuring. Um, is sort of empowering too. So um, I have, I feel, I feel like that's a superpower. <laughs> that is a superpower. I'm assuming in the cookbook there are some measurements for there those. There are definitely <laughs> measurements. But that was the funny part of trying to write all those recipes was like, how do I make this? You know, like trying to go through it and actually measure it out as I do it, um, and then. Um, having my friends um, do a lot of the recipe testing and you know giving me feedback to say if it tastes like how I make it or if it turned out for them or not was that was a, that was fun. You know, I was thinking when I was reading reading the cookbook and kind of flipping through it, the that connection between food and music, and it kind of reminded me of growing up. And my dad was always about having music on at dinner. Uh -huh. And Ray Charles was one of his, uh, his favorites that he would put on. But for you, what is that connection between 
food and music to you? Uh, I feel like having music on while I'm cooking and, um, you know, cooking is its own art. And so cooking for the artists, um, it feels like it's just like this extra layer of um, alchemy or magic or, um, uh, and, you know, that was, that was, like I said a while ago, it, is part of how I grew up, you know, having um, the musicians over and everybody bringing food together to cook and share. And, um, but also be, being able to pour my own um, magic into, you know, particularly at Southern Ground when I was cooking for the artists who were then going into making their own, um, making their own art um, feels, uh, important somehow. Well, you mentioned Zach, that being Zach Brown, mm -hmm. and Zach owns Southern Ground. Yes. And you connected with him. How did you connect with him? Um, my husband is in a band called the Wood Brothers, and um, Oliver. Oliver. And we knew a couple of the guys in the Zach Brown band, um, Coy Bowles and Clay Cook. Um, and so they sort of brought Oliver into, um, into their fold. And, um, so we, they were our friends and are our friends. And, um, so Zach started a label and, um, the Wood Brothers were, uh, were on the Southern Ground Artists label for a while. And, um, yeah, that's, that's how we sort of got... And, and you got a job there. at the studio? And I got a job at the studio. We moved from Atlanta to Nashville on a whim. And I was just sort of looking for an administrative assistant job for, you know, any, just, to, just to have a job. And um, it sort of exhausted my resources and just reached out to Zach and said, I know you know people in Nashville. If you know anybody looking for a kick-ass admin, I'm the one. Um, and then he sent my uh, resume to the studio manager. And so we sort of interviewed each other and decided I was a good fit. And I started out as just doing administrative work and um, uh, sort of getting the infrastructure together, setting up the phone system, creating an invoice, and um, getting all of those sorts of things together. And then the Wood Brothers came in to uh, make the muse, and I was fixing supper for the fellas just so we could have some family time, because you know studio hours are long, and right. there's not a lot of interaction for family. So we just went in, and my sister-in-law and I went in, and um, were just fixing supper so we could be together. And um, after that session was over, Matt Mangano was the studio manager at the time and came to me and was like, can we do this for every session? So immediately we went back and sort of revised our, our um, studio rates so that it included lunch, so that it wasn't an additional fee. It wasn't like negotiable that people wouldn't get that. It was a, a service that we provided and, and it really became, um, it became a thing. Um, some there were a couple of sessions who uh, were like, oh, we don't need lunch. And then the musicians, the, the studio session players were like, oh, no, we need lunch. We need lunch. <laughs> and so they would call us back and we're like, uh, sorry about that. <laughs> Can we change our mind? Is it too late? No, it's not too late. Well, in the history of, of the studio, I thought was very cool, too, that it had started as a church. 
And then it had been a couple of other studios where some mm -hmm. iconic artists had, had actually recorded. And then Zach, mm -hmm. Zach bought it and then he transformed it again. And he yeah. created a, a nice kitchen. Yeah, in it there. was a beautiful and space. It went from like this really sort of gross, dingy basement with like a, there was an office with a keypad on the door and like a, a there were columns um, in the basement and there was like a table that was sort of built around one of the columns as like the lunchroom um, space. And he really, he ripped out all those walls and put down this gorgeous Mexican tile and these beautiful black granite countertops. And there was a, um, a kegerator with a tap like drilled into the granite. It was really a special, a special place. Mm -hmm. So how did you come up with the the, the recipes for the cookbook. I mean, you have probably have a lot more recipes than you put in the cookbook. So what was that process like? Yes, there were, there were a lot of recipes, but I, the process was I um, kept sort of a log of all of the, men, not all, but a lot of the menus that I created over the years. I had a little notebook where I would jot things down um, and I, have, uh, I had a whiteboard in the kitchen where I wrote the menu out every day. And so just a collection of um, snapshots of the whiteboard. And so I put everything into a spreadsheet and, um, uh, with the artist and the date and the project that they were working on and then the menu and so was able to sort um, sort things and see what things overlapped what what uh, recipes overlapped and then write out sort of um, what made sense to sort of all go together. I would think that cooking for all those artists had to be a little bit crazy in the sense that people have different food tastes they have uh, dietary requirements. How did you handle that whole, you know, all those differences and how did you cook for all those different people from that we, perspective? We sent out forms. Um, there's the setup sheet. So, you know, asking the artists like, or the, you know, the producer or engineer, like what instruments they were going to be using, where they were going to set up in the room. There was like a, a diagram of the, of the tracking room um, where they could write stuff in. Um, and then there was another form that was like a lunch questionnaire. It was were there any allergies or dietary restrictions or special diets or, um, you know, and then there was like lunches at one o'clock unless you specify otherwise. And so most of the time those forms would come back correctly. And um, I chose my menu based on what was in season or what I had on hand. Um, I didn't really ask many people like, what do you want for lunch? That, cause that could get too crazy. So I, I basically got to cook whatever I wanted to cook with, within the parameters of what they, what they gave me. Well, I know there are artists <clears throat> like uh, Dave Grohl and Carrie Underwood and Leon Bridges were all mm -hmm. coming through the studio. What was one of your favorite stories? from those sessions and it had to be fun just to be there to, to hear all the music oh, yeah. too. Yeah. Well the the music there was there was I didn't get to hear a lot of music because um, you know there are a lot of times tracking one thing at a time. So like you oh, hear sure. the drum track <laughs> over and over and over and then you hear the bass track over and over and over and then there's the you know the guitar solo that's whatever. So I didn't um, get to hear the whole thing all at Put once. Put together, right, right. <laughs> So it's always sort of a surprise when you hear something on the radio, like, oh, that's how that turned out. <laughs> um, but the, the, some of my favorite times are when like a, full, a band came in because um, they have their own sort of vibe and their own energy and they bring this camaraderie and sort of, you know, 
sibling sort of relationship in and um, and it it really when there's a, a big band and crew like with Zach Brown Band and the Foo Fighters um, there is just this like energy that um, that just sort of feeds everybody and you can work these ridiculously long days and not feel it you know go to bed and try to sleep and you're just so pumped that um, that it's hard to sleep and you're ready to get back to it. So what are a couple, uh, tell me a couple of recipes that are your personal favorites out of the cookbook. Well, one that's in there that I struggled with putting in there is my pound cake recipe. Ah. It's sort of, it's sort of a prize and, um, I've kept it secret for a long, long time and hadn't handed it out at all. And so there's a long story in there um, about how it, where it came from, how it, ca how it came to me through my family. And, um, <clears throat> and uh, I've made it in a number of different flavors. And um, when um, Dave Grohl was in doing uh, the Grohl sessions with Zach Brown Band, uh, some of the other chefs uh, worked with me on, we did a, a smoked mocha pound cake. So I made like this coffee oh, flavored chocolate pound <laughs> cake and then we put it on the big green egg and Sounds then amazing. topped it with macerated strawberries and it was incredible. So that's, that might be one of my favorite um, sort of magical moments. Um, and how is the cookbook organized? The cookbook is organized like a, a normal cookbook by, um, by course, I guess. Mm -hmm. There's, <clears throat> excuse me, there's apps and mains and breads and sweets and um, a chapter called uh, Slathers and Spreads, which is, um, there's a bacon jam in there and a pesto and honey butter and, um, and a couple of other things too. Um, but each recipe has a story associated with an artist um, in, that I cooked for at the studio. Um, I think a few of them have just some personal uh, experience in the world, but uh, but almost all of them have um, have an artist story, or um, there's like a little ticket stub on the bottom that has the artist and and the menu and uh, the the project that they were working on. Very cool. Uh -huh. Well, and what when did you decide? Hey, I want to make a cookbook out of this. You know, I don't know when I actually said, this is what I'm going to do, but um, judging by the notes that I kept, I guess I knew that I needed to, it was a special time in history, you know, in that building or whatever, and so I needed to keep tabs. So I have notes from the very first, um, the very first meal that I made there. So this book is for artists and it's for fans. What do you hope the fans take away from the, the the uh, the food, the menus that their favorite artists. I actually... really love the idea of just sort of getting a sneak peek into something that was a really um, sort of private place, um, you know, without it being a tell-all or you know, but just getting um, a sense of what it was like in in that basement kitchen and um, being with such uh, sweet people who were grateful to eat a good meal and, you know, to be able to nourish themselves through those stories and those recipes. Well, it sounds like such a wonderful experience. The book is 
incredible. I, I can't wait to actually dig in and start cooking. I like to cook, so I've already uh, flagged a few recipes that I'm going to uh, be putting on my list. It was a pleasure having you here to talk about the Studio Mama Cookbook, and uh, we wish you the best of luck with it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks so much to Rebecca Wood for dropping by the Vibe and Dime to chat with us about her deliciously cool new book. For all of you at home, especially those of you that like food, we recommend you order your copy of the Studio Mama Cookbook now at heartsinthemix.com. That's heartsinthemix.com. From all of us at Diddy TV, thanks again for tuning in today. And we hope to see you again real soon, right here on Insights. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more.